welcome to desi return diaries embracing home again the podcast that shares personal journeys and expert insights on returning to india i'm your host avinash pedi here to guide and inspire you on your desi return journey another episode of desi return diaries uh, where we bring a new episode every thursday of the week Today, I'm excited to introduce Ajay and Malvika, who spent 12 years in US and returned to India, uh, and they have been living in India for five years. I'm really excited and looking forward to the discussion. With that, welcome Ajay and Malvika to the show. Thank you so much. Thank you so nice. much. Thank you. Looking Great. forward. Uh, could you uh, give a brief uh, background and uh, what motivated you or the trigger points that brought you back to India? Okay, I'll go first. So, a uh, little bit about my background. I have a master's in electrical engineering from University of Southern California. Um, worked in the Bay Area, been in startups. Uh, two of the startups that I worked at were acquired by, um, you know, larger company like Cisco and uh, Google. I used to work at Nest. Uh, Nest was acquired by Google. And before that, um, I was part of Ironport, which was also acquired by Cisco. Right. So, um, yeah, that's a little bit about myself. I've seen the startup life, I've seen the acquisitions, I've seen the integration of companies uh, into larger companies. I've seen, um, you know, uh, everybody's favorite company, Google, at least at that time, right? Been there for five plus years. Uh, so that's a little bit about myself, uh, totally into tech. Um, other than that, also interested in gardening and many other things, but we can talk about all of that a little later great and how well, about you malvika yeah yeah just to add a few fillers to what he said we're both from bangalore we we're born and brought up here and uh, we both even worked in india before we left for the us to pursue our masters so he stuck to engineering and i said goodbye uh, goodbye and not a good engineer i'm saying goodbye to that so i did my mba uh, in the us and post which it was our life uh, in california that dictated the next 12 years. We were all, we were both in the Bay Area. And at that point in time, we got married and then we had kids. So both our children were born in California and we decided to move back about um, seven years ago, but we finally did take the move about five years ago. And uh, it was a well thought out decision, I think. We spent a considerable amount of time just thinking about the pros and cons and you know, finally deciding that this is probably the right way to go. But, uh, you know, I've my, my career has not been in any acquisitions. I was the one with the stable job uh, where, you know, I, I worked, my last corporate stint was with Apple uh, in the Bay Area and then eventually in India as well. That's great. Uh, so thank you very much for such a good, uh, you know, overview of your experience, the background. So what made you to think or, uh, you know, decide to move back to India? <laughs> I don't think it was one thing. Um, there is this question at the back of almost every Indian who migrates to the United States. Uh, what if I go back and, you know, someday I'll go back. That's always a question that's on everybody's minds. Uh, certainly, we are no different there. Um, we had similar questions. It's something that we had always wanted to try um, for various reasons. Uh, kids, um, we feel India is a fantastic place to raise kids uh, because there's so much diversity and you get to meet all kinds of people. You have to deal with all kinds of situations and events. 
Um, and uh, uh, yeah, we just felt it was that 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 was one very important thing. There was also parents, you know, um, pretty much the same reasons that most people will tell you, you know, kids, parents, culture, uh, freedom in some sense. Um, uh, to work where you want and this visa and other rules those also do come into the picture these are some of the things uh, i think um, which were always on our minds anything you want to yeah know? i think for us it was very limiting in terms of what we were able to do there so for instance he was <clears throat> always a startup junkie and he wanted to do something of his own and uh, immigration issues never allowed to do that because we were on an H-1B for the most part of our time there, right? And we were not comfortable doing that. And it was really limiting in terms of its existence. And life just was so stressful. Um, I think for us, we were very conscious that we wanted to visit India at least once a year. And uh, we would have our folks visit us in the US for a few months every year. And somehow being around family sort of made us realize that kids were beginning to thrive when they had Ajitatas around and who were taking care of them. And somehow even our lives were less stressful at that point. Uh, otherwise, you know, I'm sure you have lived the same life. It was go, 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 and just praying and hoping that both of us don't fall sick at the same time. And it's like, God knows what's going to happen. So that stress of a dual income, you know, sort of livelihood, just to make sure your lifestyle is sustainable and the kids not being able to get our dedicated time. We were always in rush mode. Uh, right. So all of those sort of made us question, what's the quality of life we're having here? Yeah, we have a fantastic house and, you know, all of that is great. But eventually we were just so exhausted all the time and stressed out that this made us realize that maybe there's more to life than just this hustle and bustle. Great. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Uh, sounds to me like it's the freedom, it's the family, it's the exposure for the kids and so on. So which is like the common themes that you typically hear for yeah. all the people who are concerned. And it's always, as you mentioned, right? Every immigrant has always this in the back of the mind, but it's only the few who make the decision and actually move back. Um, but it could be for different reasons. Uh, so with that said, um, when you made the decision to move back, I think you kind of took like two years in terms of the planning, right? So uh, if there are anything that you can share, especially from a career, I think, uh, Ajay, I think you were more on the startup side, you know, which was acquired. Uh, so how are you thinking about a career transition and Malvi Kamen, again, I think if we can touch base on that, that would be very helpful. And then we can go on to the next uh, topics here. Yeah, see, startup acquisition happened uh, fairly early on uh, by, by 2018 and it, it had already been five plus years since the acquisition. Um, so the golden handcuffs are mostly off, but Google does make it very comfortable to stay. Uh, you know, very nice company and, you know, learned a lot, very, very smart people to work with. Um, so in terms of that, uh, not so much of a factor, but uh, definitely something that I wanted to do on my own. There was always this side hustle, a moonlighting project, um, which we wanted to take, you know, me and uh, a friend who had started it, something we all always wanted to do more seriously, take it full time and just try things out. The energy in Silicon Valley is also very palpable and startups are, I mean, everybody does startups there, right? So, and the ecosystem is so amazing and the help you get, peers, talent, um, funding ecosystem, so many things, uh, but very difficult to do on an H-1B. You, you had to raise a certain amount of money or you had to be on a green card. Uh, and we were, I mean, we, we did file our green card applications, but back then the lines were really long and it, it, it would potentially uh have taken us 
maybe another 10, 15 years. Now that changed a little bit later on uh, where there was a window where they just flushed a lot of the applications and many people got it, but no regrets there. I mean, um, so coming back here and trying to set up something a um, lot easier, right? It's it's your country after all, you have the passport and you can do what you want. <laughs> so that was uh, certainly one factor. I'm sure Mavika has uh, many other things about the planning and other things, the two years of plan. What were the targets that we had set for ourselves? <laughs> yeah, the, so the two years, I think both of us had discussed what life here was going to be. And he was so passionate about doing something of his own. I have always been a very conservative person in terms of planning. So I said, okay, if you're going to take that risk, I still need a stable job. So over those two years, I planned it in such a way that, you know, it was a lot of networking involved within the company. And I loved, simply loved my job at Apple. I thought it was, I, I think it was my life's best work. So tried to stay within the company and began to network to seek if there were opportunities here in India. Uh, and sometimes even set up my own job profile and, you know, made a pitch that this is something that you would find really helpful in India, considering India's plans and such. So that move uh, was orchestrated in the sense that there were decisions all the way to the, the top levels within the company about setting something up here. And that wasn't uh, an instantaneous decision. It took a while for the company. And we had to make a case that, you know, I think having presence in India helps and in a long story short, it required planning and it required convincing and persuasion. So we did spend time in that. And the other aspect of it was, you know, planning, where are we going to be staying? Um, kids' schools were going to be another part of it. So the last uh, year before our move, you know, I had work trips that would bring me to India, but I would sort of take some time off and see and scout around for schools talk to people who were sending their kids here to school and sort of figure out where, which part of the city do we want to live in. Fortunately, we're both from Bangalore. So that was a no brainer for us. And we decided that because of all the work travel that I had, I would probably situate ourselves closer to the airport because God knows you don't want to add more time on tra in traffic. So those were certain things we did and we planned that out. Um, to, so by the time we moved, We'd gotten the kids admitted in school. Uh, we'd finished the admissions process. We'd figured out where we wanted to live as well. So that helped ease our move in. And I think overall, we set our expectations really low. Like nothing is going to work. Just be ready to, you know, do the plumbing, to the postal, to everything else. Um, so that helped because we didn't come in thinking we're going to be welcome with a red carpet and everyone will, you know, fall over themselves to talk to us. Uh, that helped us, that helped us settle down. But those two years of planning required uh, some work on the back end. Yeah, I think even professionally, I, I, I had decided to quit. So I quit Google and then I was coming here with no plans. Uh, just figure things out. Uh, it had been very, very hectic as well. So I said, okay, one year, um, 12 months off to figure out the next steps and then we'll see, take it from there. Yeah. Great. I mean, sounds like um, you are such a good planner. I mean, I think, you know, especially, you know, figuring out. Only. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And, and and that's that's interesting, right? I mean, you're able to withhold the excitement of Ajay to start and go ahead and do the startup. Like, you know, you're able to navigate through, make sure everything is settled uh, in terms of the professional uh, career transition, as well as like, you know, the place to live, you know, kids. Uh, I think, you know, just so that you have a smooth landing, right? I think uh, 
so uh, thanks for sharing that. Uh, uh, sounds like you know a lot of details went in and uh, you know make sure everything goes smoothly and there are a lot of uh, trips beforehand to ensure that everything is in place. Uh, so with that said, uh, so uh, I know Ajay, I think you wanted to do like a startup. Maybe uh, maybe before I think maybe let's continue on that career path a little bit before we uh, talk. So maybe if you can, uh, if you can share like how has your experience been? Because there are a lot of people who are in US, you know, who are also thinking about, you know, going into the startup again, you know, because of the immigration or for whatever reasons, uh, I think it would be very insightful and helpful in terms of the startup ecosystem in India. How easy is it to start? Uh, how has it changed in the last five years? Uh, any, any, anything that you can advise people who are considering that, you know, while they're moving back? Yeah, I think uh, it's a very important question that everybody needs to ask themselves. Uh, what is the ecosystem like here and how easy is it uh, to get started with your own companies here in India, right? Um, the, the, the startup ecosystem is definitely maturing quite well, you know. Um, it is something uh, compared to 2018, if you look at today, which is 2023, um, the, the the improvements in the system and the kind of uh, support you're getting through the network has definitely increased a lot. You know, uh, back when we started in 2018, I was part of uh, you know founding team of uh, uh, of the company that that, we, that I'm still at right now. It's called Cryo. It's an edtech company, right? Uh, funding was tough, you know, you had to really know people, you had to have the right contacts. Uh, in fact, the seed funding we raised also was because the co-founder used to work at Flipkart, um, one of the early Flipkart employees who had a very good connect with Bini Bansal, who was the co-founder of Flipkart himself. And he was getting into funding uh, startups in, in Bangalore and India in general. Um, and that's how, you know, because of the connect and the history that the co-founder had with Bini Bansal, it became possible to raise that seed funding. Otherwise, generally pretty tough back then, you know, you had to know people who knew people who would put in a recommendation. It was still uh, a trust deficit ecosystem back then. Uh, not so much today. I think you still have to know people to open some doors, but I think the value of merit um, and, a, and a meritocratic and sort of performance-based, uh, you, you build a startup, if, you, if it's getting good traction, people will come and talk to you. The VCs will come and talk to you. The angel investors want to deploy their capital. There are many new uh, funds being created focused on India, um, India-specific, solving India-specific problems. Indian startups solving India's problems rather than India's companies solving global problems, right? You know, uh, so that, that shift is happening a lot. Um, so, yeah, I think the, the ecosystem is really good right now. Uh, but still, if you compare it with the Bay Area or the Silicon Valley or something like that, I think we're still a good 20, 30 years behind. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can't compare it. That's like the Mecca or, uh, you know, the hub for uh, the uh, startups. And I mean, pretty much everybody, every other person or like, you know, third person or something like, you know, they are in the startup world or they're trying to do their own uh, thing which is different, yeah, compared to, but yeah. So in terms of uh, setting up a company or finding the talent, uh, hiring the talent, anything that you can share there, I know you kind of touched on the funding side, just curious in terms of maybe administrative part, like finding people or people's interest to join a startup, yeah. Because the 
because it's so nascent we're still very early on in startup journey in india right um and so people uh, the the big companies are still paying big money uh, to to uh, to hire talent um so attracting very good people uh, with good amount of experience who can make a material difference to startups in the early days is very tough you know because they are very comfortable they don't want to leave what they have uh, the risk taking ability for people with experience is still fairly low right um, so you still have to bank on a lot of young people uh, you know carefree not in, not not enough responsibilities who willing to take that chance uh, so we have to wait for that generation to grow up and then i think the next generation will be significantly better because these will be the people who are, who are funding who are angels and things like that uh, finding good quality talent is tough you know it's tough in the bay area for sure um uh, uh, it's all the more tough here because the supply is not that big in my opinion mm -hmm. uh, there are smart people you know uh, hiding in a few companies uh, who could be poached or who could be hired but it's very tough to convince them or they're very expensive to hire at a startup level or they don't want to take the risk mm -hmm. um, so those challenges are definitely there um, and if they are, if they have all these three qualities they're probably starting their own company. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the talent is tough. Uh, even leave, leave aside founding level talent. I think even the next sort of say the first 20, first 50 kind of employees is an enormous competition because a lot of startups, everybody wants these people. Uh, so how do you pitch yourself? How do you sort of get a really good brand out there so that you can attract people? Uh, something like the startup at which Malvika is working right now and she can talk about it, uh, built a really good brand um, and through the brand, they're able to attract extremely good people. And uh, yeah. those things become very important in India. There are hacks for everything, but it's not easy for sure. Our talent is tough. Yeah. Okay. Great. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. So maybe Malvika, like I think you can share your uh, transition, uh, like touch on like the, maybe the work culture in us versus in india again you know because you're part of uh, you know the same company there and this is a big brand right i think you know that definitely would help like how it is in india again it's a product-based company and uh, i think ajay has touched i think you kind of transition from you know how you came to india like you know in this uh, career wise uh, with a startup so if you can share your journey or anything that you wanted to share that could be helpful for the future aspirants sure so even though it was the same company the cultures were so disparate, um, chalk and cheese, basically. Um, although the companies try really hard, any company for that matter would want the same culture to be flowing across all regions and all geographies they operate in. That's unfortunately not the case. So I worked in the supply chain area in, in the operation supply chain group. And that required me even in the US to travel to pretty much every continent in the world um, for the work that I did. And you could tell that every country had its own team culture that was in you know present yeah. and India was no different so when we came in here luckily for us we you know I had worked for about three years before I left for the U.S. so I had a fair idea of what Indian culture was like uh, there was a lot of hesitance and you know confidence issues when I first came in even before we moved where people had a lot of great ideas, but didn't know how to pitch, didn't know how to make themselves be heard. And, but over my stint at Apple for the, you know, the five years that I was in the transition phase and then moved to India, even then I saw a huge change in the company. I mean, the culture started looking a bit like what it was in the US uh, when we were there. 
But for me personally, I think coming in with low expectations helped. I still worked with the US team. Like my teams were based out of Cupertino and Shanghai and London. So I still worked with uh, folks in that area. But I did not have, uh, you know, direct exposure to India per se. How, what I could talk about is the second year effects that had. So I was, you know, used to or accustomed to a place where it was just walk into an executive's office and have a conversation. It's an open door policy and come out. Not so much the case here, right? It required, there's a hierarchy that was set up here in India, which I think is the case with everything else. So sort of accepting that was something that took time, right? Sometimes I would feel like pulling my hair out saying, why is everything so bureaucratic, even in a company like this? But then eventually you make your peace with it. And once you build those relationships with those people, then yes, open door policy begins. So there's a certain amount of trust building that needed to happen. Um, my role in the US and in India was really very similar. I was in supply chain with procurement. So it was a lot of contracts, deals, pricing, negotiations and such. So that didn't change. Uh, however, I think I felt really immensely the distance between India and the mothership, like, you know, Apple Cupertino. You were not part of those critical decisions. You were not part of the, um, you know, the, the strategic thinking, you know, sessions or whatever it was. You were getting information, you know, secondhand which again required some getting used to, um, especially when you know your career is just taking off, doing really well, and then suddenly you decide to step back and come to India. It's a conscious thing that in India, at least in companies like this, um, the growth, the career growth may not be as fast as it would have been if you were back with headquarters. No. So that was also an acceptance from my side. I will never use the word regret um, in this case. It's an acceptance. Um, it's not even a compromise because there were a lot of other benefits here in India. For instance, people really value your international experience. Like when you come here and you start talking about this is how things happen in the Bay or in China or London, whatever, uh, people sit up and pay attention. There is a lot more value you bring to the table, something that's taken for granted there. Uh, right. The second thing is your ability to work cross-culturally is a huge plus. Uh, because companies here, local talent works beautifully within India, but there is a cultural difference when you step out and have conversations with the Middle East or Europe or the US. So that's another incredible feather in your cap that people can flaunt and that makes them really high demand professionals. So there are pluses. Um, it's not like you can think my career is regressed. It hasn't regressed. You've just got to learn to make the most of what's thrown at you um, and, you know, make your peace with it. Sounds good. So I, I think uh, uh, maybe continuing, like uh, I'm assuming you're no, no longer with Apple. Uh, so uh, maybe anything that you can share that could be valuable, like, you know, uh, to what Ajay has already shared. So I think that would be. Well, um, I think for us, we'd always decided that one of us was going to be in a stable job. We couldn't both throw our hats into the startup ring. Um, so once his, uh, you know, cryo set up and, you know, things were going well, it was looking great. I said, okay, now I'm, I want to take a break and do something that I really like. So I'm also a certified dog trainer and behavior. So I said, all right, Apple, I think I have done my time at the company. And I think I'd, I'd done a fairly decent job and, you know, well-recognized and such. So now what's next? Um, there should be another frontier I'd like to break. 
So I took a year off and uh, did some freelancing with consulting and supply chain, of course. I didn't want to say goodbye to that. But I also started working with pet services companies. And now I'm currently an advisor in one of the startups in the pet space as well. Um, but eventually I realized that teaching was something I was really passionate about. And unlike the US, I, can't, I couldn't even fathom doing things like these as diverse as these. Um, but here in India, I got a chance to teach. And now I am with a startup called Stoa, which uh, allowed me to teach uh, business education to the students. So we're an alternative to an MBA. And I thought that was fantastic because it's a great way for me to use my experience um, and sort of pay it forward to the business fraternity here and the young business talent as well. So it's a great way for me. I mean, I'm teaching, I'm working with pets, and I'm also consulting on the side uh, doing basically what I really enjoy doing. Um, there's no you know, dagger above my head saying, you change your job or else. Uh, no, I'm free to do what you want. I think sounds like this is what you want, right? The freedom to, uh, you know, uh, yeah. do what you want. I mean, you know, without like this immigrate, whatever it could be, right? But now I think, you know, trying out with your passion of dog training, teaching, so much, so much diversity there. I think it's just the opportunities to do that and the flexibility to do that. Yeah. Uh, so maybe switching gears a little bit. So thank you very much for sharing that career transition and how your journey has been. Uh, so it's been five years since you moved from US. So how has the life been in India? Um, you know, I know you came with really, really, really low expectations. And uh, how has it been, uh, you know, living in India and how much far it exceeded? So definitely people would be curious, uh, you know, in terms of your experience and uh, how has it been so far? I think she came with low expectations. I came with no expectations. <laughs> <laughs> it was a clean slate. Uh, I think life has been very good. Uh, it's been busy. I think uh, the startup kind of made it a little busy. But aside from the from the startup and the startup journeys, I mean, to say a little more about the startup, you know, we we did a few rounds of fundraising. Uh, we also went through an acquisition. So we were successfully acquired. Uh, so it was a good exit. Uh, we're still part of a larger group of companies doing quite well, um, growing quite well. So that congratulations, that, yeah, yeah, thank you. <laughs> uh, so apart from that, you know, things like uh, I'm very much interested in farming. Uh, so um, in in the one year break that uh, that I took, um, spent a lot of time with the kids. I used to drop them at school, try to pick them up in the evening as well, but uh, bought, found a piece of land about 45 minutes away from where we lived, uh, three acres, started developing that farm, uh, set it up. Now it's it's a nice uh, four-year-old mature farm with all the trees that have grown and and you know exactly what you planted where. <laughs> <laughs> and then you're so worried that one of them is not growing, all those things are happening. Uh, so it's very satisfying. Other than that, you know, we're close to family, get to meet my parents, my sister, my siblings so often. It's also really nice to see the kids grow up, you know, very confident. Uh, they have embraced the chaos, <laughs> you know. Um, it's not a set routine. Um, they have a lot of freedoms to kind of go do whatever they want. They have friends um, on the street. They have friends in the neighborhood. Um, and they do a lot of things uh, by themselves. It's actually a lot of fun. Uh, no regrets. It's been really, really nice so far. Yeah, mine, I'm not going to paint such a rosy picture. <laughs> I, I mean, everybody knows what the nice things are. But I, you know, I grappled with social obligations before we moved here. So 
personally, I'm sort of an introvert. You put me in a busy room and I find the quietest corner with a book and I'm like, just nobody, I'm going to turn into a fly on the wall. Um, so that was a huge change for me, um, being thrown into a huge family and a lot of gatherings and, and such. So I think from personally, I had to sort of um, grow up, so to speak, and, you know, kind of put boundaries about what is it that I can accept and what it is that I cannot. And that was a, a long process. I wouldn't say that I hit the ground running. It required some amount of negotiations and acceptance and, you know, all of that. But now I can say that I can very quickly put a boundary and say this I'm okay to do and this I'm not. Or you're pushing me to do something else and I'm not eager to do. So life here requires a certain amount of social obligations for sure. Um, and you don't necessarily get to pick the people you want to spend time with. It's everybody's there all the time. So you have to sort of learn how to um, to navigate that. You know, the second thing is a lot of times people will, uh, you know, paint the rosy picture. But I find some things really hard, which are the basic infrastructure or just trying to get things done. And, uh, you know, no matter what we say about India developing and UPI and yada, 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 life's fantastic. But, you know, some things, you don't want to go through those hassles. Like everything does not require me to go into the bank and I don't want to go to a sub-registrar's office for a document or, you know, it, that bureaucratic system still remains and you have to carve out a certain amount of your time every day to do something like this. Like today our faucet was leaking and like, gosh, I have to go call a plumber now. And I, I don't know how the system here works. In the US, it was easy. But these are things that you'd have to sort of, um, you know, get used to. And you have a lot of help, for sure. I love it that I have the, you know, financial liberties to go hire people to help me with things. But it also means I have to learn how to manage them. Um, another headache. It sounds great that, you know, you have a lot of help, but like you manage that help and then tell me how it is. So that's, that's where, uh, you know, these are, of course, but everything goes to the side when you see the kids and how they've blossomed and how they've thrived in this place. Simple things. They get to meet people of all strata of society on a daily basis. They have to learn how to go through hard situations, through uh, you know, bullies and through, you know, all, everything that's thrown at them. And they have learned to sort of face it in adversity as, and in good times. And that is something that I do not think they could have gotten abroad, for sure. Um, that's a really sanitized environment. You know, the way children grow here, it's absolutely not the case. But, you know, they say it takes a community to raise a child, like a village to raise a child. It's absolutely true. And nothing to beat the social structure in India to help raise those children. Oh, thank you very much for sharing such a candid um, uh candid experience in India, right? I mean, again, you know, here we are not trying to paint a rosy picture. I mean, it, this is not going to be a perfect place, uh, you know, anywhere in the world. There is always going to be pros and cons. It depends on each individual family's uh, priorities and then, you know, which one you want to pick. Uh, so, uh, but thank you very much for sharing all your experience and how, and sounds like the kids' confidence, the blossoms. I mean, I think it's just uh, uh, very uh, good to hear. And I'm also like, you know, intrigued with, uh, 
Ajay's like, you know, one year experience in the farming, you know, it, it could be a different topic for anybody. And, you know, they can reach out to you uh, if they wanted to know more about it. I think, especially if you know, like which tree is growing to what extent and if you can <laughs> tell to that extent, right? I mean, so uh, that's very interesting. Uh, so uh, maybe I think uh, moving on along the same lines, uh, is there anything that you miss, uh, you know, from US or, um, you know, wish those things could be and I think kind of lightly touched on it, but is there anything that you wanted to expand, maybe that we haven't covered like. Uh... Yeah, see, I think the public infrastructure there is brilliant, you know, there's a really nice park walking distance everybody can go to uh, and fairly relaxed tools, you can have a party in the park, you can have birthday parties, uh, water, I don't have to worry about water, I don't have to worry about electricity. Uh, if you're living in the US, you don't worry about these things. You take it for granted. Like there's no yeah. water tank in a house, you know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, so things like that work quite well. Uh, and at some basic level of quality, um, the schools are quite good there. Um, and if, if you are okay with the public school infrastructure, it's, it's even free of cost or uh, the supplies don't cost much. You know, those things are all really nice. Uh, uh, professionalism, you know, uh, hiring a plumber to come and fix the tap. There, I know that they will fix it and they'll fix it well, uh, and they make sure they do it right. I don't have to second guess uh, most of the time, you know. Yeah. Uh, and you have Yelp to figure out who's the good one. Yes. <laughs> I miss Yelp. <laughs> I miss Yelp too. Um, here it's a toss. You know, someone's coming. They say they'll come. You really don't know if they'll come, uh, and then you wait, and then they're late, and all kinds of things. And you know, these things get you. Um, dealing with the government, um, you, you have to set aside an enormous amount of unwanted time. Yeah. Uh, here. Uh, there, I think appointments and things like that, you still have to wait a little bit, but not that bad. Uh, yeah, I think these these are some things, uh, um, and I think she can talk about uh, other things like, you know, hiking trails and yeah. <laughs> yeah. For us, particularly, we were the outdoorsy type, you know, we're, so our house was located in a manner where we were just 45 minutes away from the beach yeah. or we were five minutes away from the mountains. And every weekend we were off hiking someplace or the other. And we missed that here. It's a it's <clears throat> a plan, right? You can't go take off somewhere at the drop of a hat. Um, but of course, once you're out, India has probably the most scenic places in the world. But out there, it was easy, easy to access. Uh, what surprised me, though, was the healthcare system. I was expecting the worst here in India, but I think the one thing that I will say stands out, um, and this might be a contentious opinion, but I feel like Indian healthcare is so much better than the American healthcare system. And it's, um, I, I, I was, you know, one of the things I used to tell him was, I don't know whom to go to, and I don't know how doctors function there, and I don't you know, although we have families, you know, with doctors in it, but it still didn't give me enough confidence. But I'd say that's the one thing that I can, at least from my experience, say this is so much better than than the US to navigate through, especially if you come into an educated set, you have a few financial liberties and such, then definitely it's much better than the US. Yeah, cool. Um, if, if it's okay, I mean, I wanted to like maybe uh, touch a little bit on the kids education. I think this is also another common theme that comes up and I think you kind of um, uh, slightly touched on it on, on a surface. So uh, if you're okay, like, you know, what was the kid age? Uh, what was the kid's age? Like when you moved? 
uh, and which program did you put them into and uh, in terms of the transition for the kids how has it been uh, in terms of the transition from us to india and since then you know just you know, with the ecosystem here i think that would also be very helpful yeah i mean i'll take that so the kids were 5 and 2 when uh, we moved so one of the other decisions we had made was we do not want to move once the kids are post like second or third grade it just makes it harder for them and we said okay once we're in that phase let's plan what their education looks like so one of the rules we'd set up even in the us was we were only speaking in kannada we were kannadiga so we only spoke in kannada in the house so the kids grew up knowing the language really well so one of the big pluses for us when we moved here was they they knew the language so they picked up uh, things really well they were able to converse and build relationships around um with all the staff or the help of people around in the society and um the third thing that we also made a conscious choice for off was not to make the kids feel sort of special in a way where they had an escape uh, after 12th grade which means the iv sort of system right if you are in the system here in india you operate like an indian uh, you think like them you study like them you we like them you play like them you talk like them um and then see where life takes you right Ex- completely immerse yourself in the culture and then if you want to say it when you're you know finished your 12th you want to go abroad then sure but we're not going to set you on that path from the very beginning so we put them in a local school when i say local it's a lo- local school um it's you know where uh, this the syllabus is a it's ncert based but the kids come across all strata of society um, you have this school is more than 60 years old now and it's been around in bangalore people know it for you know for its academic excellence and such but more than anything we wanted you know middle class decent families coming in and that was the sort of environment we wanted wanted our children to be raised uh, at home we have similar values and we wanted to send the children into schools of similar values as well so that helped because they knew the language uh, the children that they encountered thought a lot like them spoke like them so the kids were immediately sort of eased into the process and it also helped that my mother was a teacher there in the same school so ajji was always around at least the first year it helped that you know a familiar face was walking around uh, i don't i don't think that um, either of them missed the us when they came to school here um because you know one of the things our son said and i'll never forget that uh, when he'd gone to public school in the us in california the first week when he came back home yeah. uh, he said ma there's there's no kid that speaks kannada in school <laughs> and they're all white and i said yeah what do you think you're you're in the us um so for him he missed that he wanted to talk in this language and i don't know since a very young age we have always um, actually since the day they were born every day we used to have video calls with family every day at least for an hour to 90 minutes uh, where the kids would be plopped in front of the camera and ajjis and tatas would be talking to them and chatting and singing with them and telling them stories so moving here and sort of acclimatizing to this culture was not too hard for them okay yeah sounds like i think uh you know very specific in terms of the family values and make sure they uh, you know are exposed yeah. and uh, so thank you very much for sharing that uh, so really appreciate it 
Um, so is there any topic that we haven't covered or any advice uh, that you want to share for the future aspirants who are considering about moving back to India from your experience, anything that we haven't covered or anything that you want to share? I think you know a few things. One is don't make uh, it's don't make it just an emotional decision, uh, uh, or don't make it just a financial or any other specific decision. You know, it's it's a lot of things. Uh, it's all of that, and it's more than that, right? So definitely, planning helps a lot. Uh, getting a dose of reality also helps a lot. You know, come here, check things out, um, and you know. Look at look at things in India from a person from from a local person's perspective, and see if you're okay with that or you're not okay with that. That's one thing. Uh, don't make a rash decision, a quick decision, and suddenly pack up your bags and move. <laughs> uh, I think that's a bad idea. Uh, and usually, you know, it can work out great, uh, but it doesn't have to be a coin toss. You can plan it. You know, uh, I would say at least a year or two of planning is required if you want to succeed uh, in the move. Uh, second thing is set your finances in order. I think that's super important uh, and leave an option for you to return if you want to. Uh, that kind of removes the risk factor where you're like, oh, what if I don't like it in India? Can I come back? Once you leave that gate open uh, for you to return um, with a non-zero probability, right? <clears throat> Good probability then it doesn't seem like such a big risk to take you can try it out two years three years you don't like it you can go back it's fine it's not the end of the world and many people have done that they've gone back as well so it's okay um, it's okay to think about it like that right um, yeah the finances I can't stress on enough uh, because if you want to return to the US or you want to send your kids to school there or college there or something much later you don't want to be in a position where you're like, oh my God, I can't afford it and things like that. So plan your finances well, leave some money there, leave some investments there. Um, it's okay. Don't uh, don't be under the impression that India is the one that's growing and India is the growth story and I want to put all my money. It's okay. You don't have to maximize the growth of your finances and estate. It's okay. Leave some there. And you know, just, I think these, these three things um, super important. The last one, I would recommend a soft landing in the sense that, you know, there are gated communities where a lot of people who have come from the US have, have settled down. So going to a place like there is a soft landing because people are just like you. They're celebrating Halloween. They're doing trick-or-treats. They're doing play dates. You still have to call before going to their houses. Uh, and so, you know, you're 10 minutes away from India, okay? <laughs> you just have to go outside the gated community and there's India right there for you. But inside, it's it's very much like the US. And uh, believe it or not, there are a lot of these gated communities. It's not one or two. There are probably hundreds of them. Very much. Uh, there you'll feel very comfortable. You know, there's no change. It's just there's India that's five minutes away. You just have to go outside the gate and India is waiting for you, right? So these are some things, anything you want to add? Well, I, I, I think you uh, you covered it all. Yeah. 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 Not bad. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's great. I, I think, as you said, I mean, I think these gated communities are, you know, a lot. I mean, they have flourished and, uh, as you, you don't miss much, pretty much like these Halloweens, like all these things are happening. And you might think like, are you in India? Like, you know, especially with the way the amenities or like some of the events and all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, 
I think the other important thing is to experience it, right? I mean, you know, it's always good if you can spend a month or two, you know, just take a uh, furnished uh, apartment or something, just stay here, experience as if living, not like a visitor, uh, like a visiting uh, India. And that gives an immense, uh, uh, you know, understanding of lifestyle in, 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 in India because it's not the, you know, the same ease, like as you get the plumbing thing or other aspects, there are other pros, but you also have to experience the other, other, daily part of the life of living in India. Yeah. Absolutely. And we have a few friends who have moved and then returned to the US. Um, and certain things that, you know, we now when we have a conversation with them, they mention about what didn't work for them. A, one of them was they just rushed into that decision of moving. Um, they didn't think through about where would they stay and what would work look like and it looked like. And I think they've also you know, the way they set up their life, school being very far from where they stay, which is still quite far from where they work. And it's just a, you know, they're stuck on the road, it seems like all the time and weekends come and they're exhausted. You know, yeah. them are packing up and saying, we can't live, live life like this. Um, if there was a little amount of planning that was done beforehand, it yeah. would have probably eased a lot of the pains. It's unnecessary in a lot of such situations. But, you know, I you can't judge right? Not everybody's life can be set up in such a manner. So prepare yourselves for this, plan this out. That's what we can tell um, people at this point. Yeah, great. So uh, thank you very much for sharing your story and, uh, you know, your advice. Uh, it's a lot of valuable information there. Uh, and I really appreciate you taking the time and uh, talking to us today. Likewise, thank you for doing this. So it's a very good idea. And I think it's it's a sorely needed podcast as well. So kudos to you for that. But yeah, thanks. And I think I hope it's uh, just uh, going to uh, help people who are considering to move uh, to India. And so they can weigh the pros and cons and take a rational decision uh, in, in their journey. I think that's the idea behind it. And uh, thank you all for sharing your information. <laughs>